This is William Tincup, and we are recruiting live from Transform in Vegas at the Greenhouse booth. I have Masella and Chandra with me today. We're going to be talking about DEI in a couple different ways. Um, we're going to talk about what we're doing well, not so well, and then what to measure, or what we should we measure. So um, while we do introductions first, Masella, why don't you go ahead and start us off, just introduce yourself. Absolutely. I am Masella Dukley. I'm the head of workplace strategy and innovation at Charter. Oh, cool. Okay, where are you based? We are a New York-based company, yeah. but we are remote hybrid. Yeah, yeah, everybody's everywhere. That's <laughs> Everybody. cool. And you've been there for a while? Uh, I've actually been there for, I think it's three months now officially, but uh, when the company was founded, I was consulting, um, doing some support work with our founders. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And Chandra? I am Chandra Sanders, and I am the vice president of Rise at The Mom Project. Oh, cool. Do you work with Rocky? I do. Love her. Yes. Absolutely love her. I've had, I've done a bunch of different podcasts and webinars with her. Super, 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 super love her. So, and you pronounce it Chandra, like an S. It's Chandra. Chandra. Yes. Okay. I got that now. Okay. It took me a second. Because okay. when I when I pronounced it, you corrected it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Everyone, my last name's Tin Cup. And I'm like, you really can't mispronounce Tin Cup. <laughs> You'd be surprised at how many people are teacup. <laughs> Tin can, no. All right, so what, after we've got uh, introductions done, why don't we do this? Why don't we start with what, we, what you perceive that we're doing well with DEI? Yeah. So we'll just, we'll just start in order. Go ahead. Ms. Ellen, what do you think we're doing well? From my perspective, I think that when we keep DEI simple, and when I say simple, I mean we truly boil it down to making sure that the workplace experience is equitable for all people, right. that it sets them up to success, to thrive in a number of domains, whether it's because they have a marginalized identity or because they have a specific need. I think it just makes it easier for people. Right. And I think it also makes people a little bit more, um, I would say motivated to ensure that it keeps going. It's hard to say, I don't want to make this uh, I don't want to make work easy for someone. And when I say make it easy, I mean, it's hard to say, oh my gosh, I hate that this person's going to be set up for success. Right. But I think when we make it almost um, very focused on moral ground or right. who is right and who is wrong, <laughs> it starts to get complicated. And like, while my belief, of course, is that, yes, I, I want to stand by the things that are right. I want to support people, again, especially people who are marginalized, myself included. I'm a, a black woman. I'm a woman of color. Right. I'm So you're actually marginalized twice. Yes. Two exactly. strikes. Exactly. Two strikes. Plus all the other identities that maybe you can't see, 100%, right? 100%. 100%. So it's like I care about those things, but I've just learned sitting in boardrooms, talking to execs, often understanding that many of these people don't share the same identities that I have. Right. That right. when the message is about moral ground... Over, it's over their head, right. it's missed, and then it's just like a nice to have I found, rather than setting a team up. I found that sometimes talking about history works to our discredit. Not not discredit, it works to kind of like, now you have a history discussion. It's like, yeah. I don't want to have a history discussion. Right. I, I, okay, we can talk about history. I'm comfortable talking about history, but I actually want to talk about outcomes. You know, I, want to, I want to do something else with that. So I could see why, we, especially with executives and board members, it's just like, you know what? Don't boil the ocean. Keep it focused. What is the one thing? Let's get that tail, then we'll do the next thing. Because, you know, that's that's wonderful. I love that. And Chandra, 
Yeah, so what are we doing right? I feel like we are at a time where most companies are being intentional about DEI, right? They're being intentional about including, intentional about representation. Right. Um, and honestly, those companies who are committed to DEI, like still today, three years after George mm-hmm. Floyd, 100%. and are still 100% committed to that, yeah. they are going to ret- uh, attain, retain and attract the best talent because, you know, the workplace has changed in the last couple of years. Right. And talent, com- uh, people want to work for companies who actually believe in something and stand for something. Right. And so I do believe that, th- that that's what we're doing right. Like we are being intentional. We're being committed. We are actually following through on the statements that we have provided. And those companies are, again, going to retract, attract and retain the best talent right. out there. I love the intentionality because... You know, first of all, it, it, it's it woven into everything, recruiting, sourcing, interviewing. Like it can be, if you're intentional throughout the entire process, then you have a, a pretty good chance that you're going to not miss people. But you got to be intentional. So you actually have to think about yes. it, right? Which means that there's all kinds of things. Like there's a bunch of stuff that you don't know. But if you don't know it, how can you be intentional about things that you don't know? Exactly. So, so you got to be open to listen to people and say, I had no idea that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, now I know it's a thing. Fine. I can be intentional about it. Do you, either of you, I kind of feel like we lost a bit of energy during COVID. You know, because uh, if you go back to Me Too and Love is Love and Black Lives Matter and George Floyd kind of as, a, as, as an epicenter of of where people really started to care if they hadn't cared before. But it just feels like we kind of lost some steam. Have y'all felt, I mean, first of all, I could be wrong. So I'm totally comfortable being wrong. But do y'all feel like we've lost some steam? I do. I think that the performative nature for a lot of organizations certainly was leading their decision to prioritize diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. And, you know, it's easy to lose steam when something's only about looking good. Right. Like you can only keep that up for so long. That's and right. I think the other part of that, unfortunately, is if like... If they're not doing the real work. Yes. Yes. We've we've now got a, uh, a woman on the tech team. Yep. <laughs> exactly. It. Yeah. And it, it's not just... It's that. <laughs> and I think the other thing, because of this time where the, our senses were heightened and right. people are like, I should care. This yes. matters. Right. What ends up happening is you have a lot of people... To, from being very, and maybe this will be a hot take, but I think a lot of people jumping into DEI roles that, from my perspective, didn't need to be there. 100%. Like, 100%. okay, you care about it. Your passion doesn't mean that you're skilled. And even so much of the training around DEI, quite frankly, I don't think is actually that, uh, like, I don't feel like the curriculum is no, it's about basic. real life experiences. It's basic, yeah. And it's exactly what you said, um, William. Like, for me, as a person, sure, like you said, uh, double marginalized. I'm a black woman. Yep. I'm a black woman, period. Yep. Done. But the other part of it is In that... baseball, there's only one more strike. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, like, I don't know everything, right? No. Like, there's there are many privileges that I have as a person. I think about my family background. I think about schools that I've gone to. I think about who I know. So many things that I might miss. I even think about things as simply as, like, neurodivergence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my husband, he... Um, he'll be okay with me saying this, but my husband has ADHD. And I'll be very clear, like before marrying him, before being in a relationship with him, I didn't like quite understand. I understand that it's something that people deal with, but I didn't understand how it showed up, right? And what can happen is 
you're distracted, you're lazy, you're whatever. And That's I mean, right. I might just be his critical wife, but also <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm noticing no, that I've, with people that I'm pretty I work sure with. I, I get the same thing at home. So no, you're good. You're you know, good. and you're it's good. like, if you don't understand, you don't have a real lived experience of how to make it easy for somebody to show up to be themselves, to be able to be productive, right. you miss a lot of things. And so I think there was a, not only a, a motivation for the wrong reasons, I think there are missed skill sets of some of the people going into these roles and unrealistic expectations about what DE&I should be, like what the outcome should be. Right. And so therefore there's always gonna be a miss and then unfortunately it creates a cycle where people say, well, I don't think it's working. I don't know if it's useful. Right. How can we measure it? Why do we spill spending money on this? Did we hit exactly. the goal? Are we done yet? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it just unfortunately didn't give, um, I didn't, I don't think it certainly helped the ability for people to keep on going. And I think that's part of it. It's interesting. It, it is a hot take because there's a lot of people who got promoted, which on one level, it's like fantastic. There's a lot sure. of people that didn't have jobs or those jobs. Now they have really good jobs. They got a budget, and they've, now they've got some type of a path. Problem is, is there's no like certification. There's no like, what do we, what do you have to know to be great at that job? Yeah. Like, so I, I think I've seen the same thing, and I've actually talked to some of my friends about this. Like, you know, it's great, but it's it is kind of a what we talked about earlier is like greenwashing or sports washing. It's like, okay, exactly that. We're, we're kind of doing the same thing, but just we're promoting people into positions that maybe they're not really, they might look the part, mm -hmm. but they might, they don't might not actually know how to do the job. I mean, listen, I, I'll just, an example that'd be simple for any person to understand. I could love baseball. I could know all the players and go to games and get really excited when it's baseball season right. and not be a good coach. 100%. And it translates very simply to what we've seen. And I think that's with any role, but I think particularly in the DEI space because of the nuance, because of the fact that there was just an urgency right. to put somebody into place. We knew we had to, to do something. Work. We knew we had to right. do something. We didn't know quite what, but we're going to go ahead and promote right. someone to that place. The, the thing that, I mean, we're 100 years late on a lot of this stuff, but one of the things I did like about that process is they threw money at it. Yeah. Now, there's problems with that too, mm -hmm. but at least there was money because before when I would talk to my counterparts in DEI, they didn't have money. They had a role, they had outcomes that they were supposed to hit. Yep. They might have even had a little power and influence, but there was no budget. They couldn't do programmatically, they couldn't do anything. So yeah. um, let's go to the other side of DEI in terms of what do you think we should be doing to make DEI better? Like what, what, could be, what could we be doing that we're not already doing? Or what could we be thinking that we're not already thinking? And I'll start with you, Chandra. Yeah, I mean, what could we do? Number one, let's just reaffirm our commitment to it, right? Nice. Are you sure this is something that you want to do? Because nice. when you are committed to something, you will continue through all of the challenges, right? There right. will always be something new in society that we have to come against, uh, right. something new in society that comes, you know, comes up, right? Such as, you know, bank collapses and all these things that we really have to prepare for. But when those things come, we can't just, you know, have our other commitments sidetracked, right? And so what I find is that whenever you have put out a statement such as diversity and you are committed to it, you have to put together a team of folks who have that lived experience to remain 
committed because it is not easy. Oh, We're truly no. trying to, you know, really disrupt disrupt something that has been systemic for many, many, many years. It is not something that's going to go away after three years. Right. It's not something that's going to go away after five years, right. right? And so you just have to ensure that you remain committed, have the best team um, before you decide that you want to, you know. It's interesting that you say that because uh, earlier I was thinking about this. It's it's a it's an unattainable goal. Yep. Because the more we learn, the more we learn about what we don't know, right? Exactly. And so it's like... And humans are unique. Yeah. And humans are changing. That's right. And that's a big part of it. Like, at Charter, we are a media and insights company. And we did, a research, did some research at the top of the year to really understand what CHROs, CPOs were looking for and what companies in general were looking for in terms of support. And the thing that was, like, the most shocking and, to be honest, like disappointing for me to see was that so many people like DEI was one of the lowest things on the list and they marked it as something that they believed that they had already achieved and I was like oh wow we but like, just like a bizarre thing it'd be like we crushed, life we crushed I made the, it we, you know like it's weird it's weird and, and so I think exactly to Chandra's point like it's not just commitment but I think also being realistic about the fact that it's a journey, and in yep. addition to understanding that it's a journey, I think you really want to be mindful about the fact that, look, you also have a lane to pick. There are many companies out there who, regardless of what you think of them, have decided their lane. I'm talking right. places like Coinbase, Chick-fil-A, right. wherever. They might not right. be the types of people that are here at Transform, right. Right. but right. they said, this is our limitation. Yeah. This is what we can do. Yeah. But you don't want to say, I can do all the things and I care about this, mm -hmm. and then fall short because you don't understand what it takes to do it. It would be, dis it would be disingenuous if Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby or some of those, <laughs> if they came out and said... We care about everyone. <laughs> yes. Actually, we care about this group of everyone. Right. But, right. That's too funny. What about measurement? Let's talk a little bit about what we, sh what, sh what do you think success looks like from a measurement perspective? For me, yeah. right? If we're really committed to DEI and all the facets of DEI, right? Measuring that just to make sure that we have representation across all areas of the business, across all levels of the business, because just like she said, right, um, there are many folks who said, yes, check, we've got our DNI and we have all of our diverse folks at the bottom of yeah. the org chart. Yeah, right? so, you, so you look at the population, it's <laughs> yes. like we're 50-50, yes. men and women. Yes. Yep. Women are all at the last, the bottom two rungs of the organization. It's like, you're not 50-50. Right. Yep. Right. So uh, definitely looking at the representation, looking at your attrition, yep. you know, who's there, why they're not there, um, you know, really re evaluating your exit interviews to find out if there's, you know, an underlying theme or if there are. Do you think they'll be yes. honest? See, I'm, 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 I go back and forth on stay interviews and exit interviews in this way. Do you, because when I leave a company, I'm gone. Yeah, true. Like, I, I'm not going to burn a bridge. I'm not going to say, yeah, you know, the boss was racist. Like, that's why I left. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that. Like, I, so I don't know if I can trust the data. But, I, I mean, maybe we can get some of the nuanced stuff out of an exit interview. But I'm not sure that someone's going to be bold enough to say, right. I left because I didn't feel listened to. That's a great point. But we should encourage, oh, yeah. 100%. you know, transparency. And that starts from day one. Mm-hmm. Right, so that you do feel comfortable about telling your true, authentic story at the end to truly help, you know, make change. I love yeah. that. Marcella? Yes. Beautiful name. Thank combination you. Combination, I asked her when we first started, I asked her, is, it's a combination of 
two names. And so she has a wonderful name. So Thank what's you. your take on measurement? From my perspective, um, very similarly to what Sandra, Sandra's talking about, you really, you want to kind of break it down by um, literally the meaning of D-E-I-B, right? So sure, diversity. Let's right. start there. That's the first thing. What does the representation in our organization look like? What is the placement of these particular roles and these people? That's one particular thing. Then you look at equity. Hmm. Okay. Are, is every person at this organization set up for success? And you're not even just looking at, again, identity, role. Right. You want to just keep it simple to humans who work here. Right. Do our engineers have what they need? Do our salespeople have what they need? Are we assuming that they need the same things? If you do, you're wrong. Like, let's get to the core of what do these people need? Because you're going to need a marker of success. Then you're looking, of course, into uh, groups within that. You're looking at women. You're looking at people who um, identify in different ways. You're, you're looking at different backgrounds, experiences. You're looking at your remote employees versus maybe the people who, who come in all the time. Is the experience for each of these people, regardless of where they are, allowing them to actually grow, learn, be set up for success? Then, of course, when it comes to inclusion, sure, we have people represented in different <laughs> roles. We kind of know what people Look. need. And then, like, but do they feel like they belong here? That's right. Can they be themselves? So, yes, to your point, I don't know that you can always trust the data. I think that even when a company is forthcoming and supportive and doing their best, and I say this as like looking back at my history from an HR practitioner perspective, one of the most frustrating things would be like, I'm waking up every day like wanting to like make your lives better. And people have a natural healthy skepticism. Like, are you sure? And of course, everybody's like an HR uh, somebody, everybody is critical of HR where it's like it should be like this or it should be like that and you're right. trying to everybody's to, an expert yeah other than the people that are yeah actually doing the job exactly yeah. and you're trying to meet so many needs for so different so many different people and so it can be challenging but I think with that being said like to your point you've got to be open to hearing because I have to assume that I don't know everything yep. and so to Chandra's point earlier this is where when it comes to inclusion you want to be mindful about opening up the pathways for people to feel comfortable coming to you, how you can do that. One, I'd say ask, and don't just ask one time. You're gonna sound like a broken record. Right. Ask over and over and over again. If you can't do something, be honest and transparent about why not. Right. And that's the thing, I don't think that people are so unrealistic. I've actually found that anecdotally. I don't think that people are so unrealistic that right. you say no to something, they're like, I hate you. Yeah. It's more like, did you hear me? And yes. do I understand why? Yeah. Or why not? Right. Um, so I think those are a great places to start. And I guess where you can track that comes from like engagement surveys. like, And also just in general, maybe you, you do have like a DE&I uh, survey where you're kind of touching on those different boxes. And the last thing I would just say here, um, you can also think about it from like a lag and lead indicator. So from a lead indicator, meaning how do we predict that we're actually meeting the needs of the people who work here? I would say... Stop thinking of DEI as this separate entity of right. your organization. Right. It should be built into everything. Yeah. Right? Sarah and James over in the corner, they've got DEI. Exactly. Yep. Got like we should all be carriers of that culture. And you have to define it though up front so that everybody can operate as well as possible, right? So when you're leading a new project, whether again it's on the engineering side or sales side or, or product, that they're like, here are three questions I should be asking before I like put this into action. Who does it serve? 
Have I talked to different stakeholders? Like those types of things, I think, give people a little bit more ability. If there's only one person leading DEI and they know, they know it and it's only their experience and they don't know how to translate it, you, it's going to be a rocky road. Right. So what do you think about the measurement of who you promote as a, as a DEI uh, kind of metric to look at? Like who you promote? Like, because obviously if, if, you've, if you're doing a promotion, you're doing internal mobility, but you've recruited them, they're there, They've obviously done well because they're being promoted. Is that something y'all would look at? I think so. And here's why. It's the same. This is where the inclusion factor comes in. Right. If I, I, what what I'm hanging on, when you recruit somebody and you bring them in, that's the (laughs) diversity-like arm of things. I love it. I love people. I want everybody here. Inclusion. Do they have the tools and resources to stay here, to thrive here? And it's not just them, it's also your managers. So I might have a manager who is compassionate and caring and supportive and understands the ways to make sure that work is equitable for this unique human being. But that doesn't mean that everybody knows that. So it's about making the implicit explicit. I say it comes down to as... um, from an HR perspective or an employee experience perspective, whatever way, wherever DEI is sort of um, housed within an organization, right. making it really easy for people to know how to create that experience. Because it's really unfortunate if I look at your manager and see that your manager supports you and listens to you and uplifts you or says your name in rooms and then I find out that another person doesn't. And sometimes it's not intentional, right? right? right but right. It, it's just... Let's make the implicit explicit. Let's make it easy for people to know how do I sort an employee, support an employee, any employee for that matter, right. so that we can say everybody had an opportunity to get to the same place. Yeah, uh-huh. and I agree with that. Um, a lot of that does come down to the manager level, right? They yes. literally hold the power to either hire someone who's diverse oh, yeah. or promote someone who's diverse. Yeah, you talk and about a lack of training. Yes, and that's where yeah. we are. Like, that's really kind of like a hard stop for a lot of folks. Like, the company culture could be great. The C-suite can be great. Right. But it's those managers who really hold the power of that employee's experience oh, and hold the power of their movement and their mobility. That's right. So. And, if, and again, if, they're, if there's training, if they've, they've learned about intentionality, if they've learned, they've got to be open to learning. Yes. They've got to want to learn. Mm-hmm. Right, so they gotta want to listen, uh, and I don't see a whole lot of training. I feel like that's a miss right there. We do. We train high level. We train low level. We yeah. train. Hello, everyone. Let's get along. But then, <laughs> you know, how do you like get to the space where you are being non-biased? Right. You know, you're yep. able to remove the stereotypes right. and really give someone a fair chance. Yep. Y'all have been wonderful. And I know you got many things to do, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely.